going to begin this morning in the sermon part by reading together the uh, text that I've been in for a few weeks to kind of reconnect with it, reorientate ourselves. Romans chapter 12, but I, I did put it on PowerPoint. Uh, Romans 12, and uh, we'll pick up the reading at uh, verse 3. Uh, we're very familiar with verses 1 and 2, where Paul is calling for Christians to really give themselves fully, present themselves a living sacrifice, and then to refuse to be conformed uh, to the pattern of this world. So let's stand together and, uh, and begin. We'll pick it up at verse 3, where begins to talk about respective responsibilities within the congregation. Uh, For by the grace, let's say it together. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Thank you. Please be seated. And there are some more good things that uh, follow, but I thought that was probably enough uh, reading for this morning. But uh, you have such a comprehensive section, such a comprehensive teaching in this uh, uh, section of Scripture. Uh, How we are to relate to one another, serving one another according to the capacities given, and then the kinds of attitudes and inclinations that are needed within the body, uh, if it's going to really work. But I'm thinking about our picnic today. Uh, It's a good demonstration of the uh, various contributions that uh, different ones make. You know, a a Sunday school picnic, if it's just a a simple picnic that uh, churches do every year, all of them, you know, it doesn't just happen by itself. It takes leadership, takes planning, planning and preparing, planning for the place, for the activities, uh, for the food. 
And uh, at the same time, I want to say that the uh, Sunny School picnic uh, represents uh, very much what the church is all about because it's about teaching and learning. Oh, I don't mean the picnic, but it's because, why do we call it Sunday School Picnic? Because we do Sunday School, teaching, learning. It's about fellowship, loving one another. It's about supporting one another, praying for one another, and uh, cheering on one another. And, uh, and so I think uh, even today we are demonstrating a lot of what this text is about. Uh, last time that I was with you, we were in uh, verses 9 and 10, where the call is to a, have a genuine kind of love. Let you know, love be sincere. And uh, part of genuine, sincere love is to be able to hate that which is evil, because evil threatens and hurts the people that we love. And, uh, and so that was part of it. We looked at that, we looked at that as the, it includes not just a, the agape kind of love, which is a committed love to one another, you know, sacrificing for each other, but also the brotherly, sisterly kind of love, where he talks there about being devoted or let, uh, let there be um, brotherly type of love. Well, there's one part that we didn't cover that's also in verse 10, and that's what we're looking at this morning. Honor one another above yourselves. The uh, ESV as well as the new RSV has a little different take on it, though it did amount to the same thing, but it says outdo one another in showing honor. It's like there's to be a almost like a friendly, loving competition. It's like, oh, let, let me be the one to serve you. It's such a privilege to, uh, well, to honor you. And uh, so honor uh, each other above yourself. Honor the others or outdo one another in giving honor. Now, we know enough about Scripture and the Apostle Paul here. He's not calling upon the people to give insincere words of flattery but rather we're called to find ways of giving legitimate honor to the other person and you know when you consider that every person is made in the image of God and God thinks so highly of every person that he well he sent his son it shouldn't be that difficult to find ways of honoring the other. So what about it? You think it's a difficult thing? Is it an easy thing? Um, well, what about it? You do it all the time or you find it difficult? A little of both. Uh, do you think it's important? Honor one another. Obviously it's important since it tells us to do that, but can you see any practical reasons why it might be important? I'd like to talk about it under the three headings this morning. First, the meaning, and then the mindset, and then finally the significance of it. But the meaning, what does it mean to honor 
And I want to say, uh, to begin with, it's really part of loving. You know, this verse was about loving, right? Let there be uh, sincere, genuine love, hating what's evil, clinging to what is good, and honoring one another. But uh, more specifically, to honor is to respect, to give due recognition. Uh, but there's something else about honoring that I especially want to draw to your attention. The very same word that's translated honor here is also translated value in a different place. Acts 19, 19, the setting is Ephesus. The Apostle Paul has been teaching and preaching the gospel. People have been turning to God, to the Lord. And uh, it says that uh, there, many of them were practicing magic arts. And it says that they brought their books and their scrolls to burn them. And then this statement, when they calculated the value, same word as honor, when they calculated the value of their scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, or 50,000 silver coins. Value. To honor is to value. When we honor someone, we are affirming that they matter. We express appreciation. And to appreciate, I really appreciate what you did. I really value what you did. And when we feel devalued, we feel dishonored disrespected when someone puts us down or just takes us for granted. And so to honor is to value, appreciate. And he says, above yourself, that's the very nature of giving honor, to draw attention to the other. And at that particular time, away from self. And then he says to one another. It's one of those statements, and you see that many places in the New Testament, one another, and, and that has to do with the dynamics within the congregation, and it means that you're to be both on the giving end and the receiving end. If the outcome is what Paul is calling for here, then you will be receiving honor and you will be giving honor. And I'd like to suggest that for some of you it's more difficult to receive honor than it is to give honor. You know, somebody expresses appreciation and you say, oh, shucks, that's nothing. Uh, and maybe you're a little uncomfortable even. <laughs> but this one gives you not only permission, but it calls on you, hey, accept it. When someone compliments you, be glad. They're honoring you. <laughs> sort of ironical here, I think, that it takes humility to honor the other and it takes humility to receive honor. You know? Uh, um, humility to give honor because it's not about me anymore. It's about the other person. And, uh, but then to receive it also. One another. Everyone. To be on the receiving end, everyone on the giving end. You know, the impressive as well as those who don't necessarily impress. Those we think deserve to be uh, honored and maybe those that we, we don't really know that they deserve it. Shouldn't be about deserving only. 
And I think we both know, we all know that so often it's the nice people, the busy people, the high achieving people, the interesting people, people with nice personalities, and those who make the greatest contribution to the cause that receive honor. But this, one another, means that there should be a dynamic within our congregation where all people are being appreciated. I suggest that one of the characteristics of a flourishing congregation is that the people like to be together. It's a good place to be. And why not? If people are receiving encouragement by being honored. But that this is difficult. I think it's demonstrated by Jesus' apostles, for even though they had been with our Lord for about three years in the very last hours of his life, they are still bickering about who was the greatest. Bickering about being in the place of honor instead of having a mindset where they were looking for ways of honoring each other. How do we express it? Well, there are many different ways and scores of opportunities, things that may seem quite innocuous and small and things that are quite significant to be a way of life. But one example is birthdays. The reason Marty and I chose to be away on July 15th and the 22nd was we wanted to celebrate my sister Florence's birthday on July 15th. She turned 90 years. And uh, one of the, uh, you know, things we kid about a little bit is that when I was born in the hospital, she had to look after the crew of harvesters at our house. She was only 14 years old. Okay, so I've given away my age. That's okay. Uh, I know you can do math. But I haven't had a birthday yet this year, so keep that in mind. But, you know, I, I sense that she... Appreciated. I sense she was overwhelmed that so many people would want to honor her in this way. Family, relatives, friends, and of course at 90 years of age, there are many of your peers that aren't there anymore. But we honored her. We do it with our sincere thank yous. And sometimes by simply paying attention, right? Oh, it's so easy for my mind to wander when somebody is telling me something. But I owe you that kind of honor that I should pay attention. And, it's not, and to honor someone isn't necessarily verbalized. Uh, just showing delight in meeting you. <laughs> if you smile when you encounter me at Walmart or whatever, that is honoring me because you're showing that you're happy to see me. And I have noticed here, and since we moved to Edmonton, how even strangers often take delight when they are acknowledged. And it seems, I think, especially those who maybe don't quite fit in. They're maybe older seniors who don't get around very easy and are left to themselves, or they're people from ethnic communities that wear different kinds of clothes. And it's almost like people have expressed a thank you or a, a word of appreciation, just for being noticed, you see? That's part of it. That's part of honoring. A good friend of mine says that the opposite of love is not hate, 
what is indifference. Something to think about. We don't have to <laughs> decide which is worse at this point, but I can see the, see the rationale for that. That where the opposite of love is that total disregard. Because you see, when you hate, you acknowledge that the other person has significance. But the ultimate insult is when you write off someone's existence. Some of you will remember this uh, political story, fe federal politics. And uh, Mulroney was the pres uh, prime minister. And uh, one of his uh, cabinet ministers left the party and started another party, formed the uh, Quebec Bloc. And uh, I remember, I think, reading this sometime afterwards where uh, Mila Mulrooney was expressing her opinion and her feelings about this. And this is what she said in effect. She said, you know, I, 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 I wish well and I hope well for the, for the wife, and I think she mentioned her name even, and for the child. But she says, uh, Lucian, he doesn't exist. See, that was the ultimate put-down. They felt betrayed. And the ultimate put-down was he no longer exists as far as I'm concerned. The opposite. Anything but honoring, right? Well, I think we know quite well what it means. But what kind of mindset what kind of inclination, what kind of attitude on my part so that I'm apt to be the person that honors others above myself? And I want to begin by simply saying this, a mindset that accepts and tries to, to accept that I need to choose this and accept the responsibility to choose to honor. It's, it's a choice. It's a choice. Philippians 2.3 says about humility, in humility, consider others better or more significant than yourselves. It's taking a stand. It's making a choice. In this case, he's talking about humility, which would be very similar. Consider, reckon the other person to be more important. He's not saying that other people are more significant but you make the choice to take that stance. As far as I'm concerned, at this time and place, the other person is the one that really matters. And it's a choice. It's an inclination we take with us. Like at someone's birthday party. At this moment, at this time, on this day, it's not about me first, but it's especially about the other person whose birthday it is. And I choose to give her this special recognition and so it is to be a way of life where we are inclined to make that kind of choice regularly. Honor the other person above yourself. And at the bottom you recognize that it's really a call from the Lord. We're called to make many choices, right? We're called to be holy. We're called to be a people of integrity. We're called to play a part in the Great Commission of 
playing our part, our respective parts, in helping to make disciples. We're called to pray for one another. We're called to serve one another. We are called to choose to do those kind of things. And so also this, we are called to honor one another above ourselves. And there's something about that. You know, someone says, I have to feel loving before I can act loving. I beg to differ. I think it's usually the other way around. If I consistently choose to behave a certain way, I increasingly become that kind of person. As I choose to act loving, I become more loving. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? He said, your heart follows your treasure. Remember that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you choose day by day to lay up treasure in heaven. Guess what happens? You become the kind of person whose heart is also in the kingdom of God. Your heart follows your treasure. Our choices help to determine what we're becoming. (laughs) There's an old fable. I first heard it back in the 70s, and maybe it's making its rounds again because my cousin forwarded it to me the other day. And here's the fable. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves, wolves inside us all. (laughs) One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other wolf is good. It is joy, peace love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. Sounds to me like some Christian has edited that and put in some (laughs) wonderful qualities. But then the grandson thought about it for a minute, and then he asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed the wolf that you feed. Our everyday choices are a way of feeding one or the other wolf because my choices today contributes to the kind of person that I will be tomorrow. I can choose to be greedy or generous, to be selfish or to consider others first. I can choose to hang on to a grudge and become angry and resentful, or I can be quick to forgive. Each choice I make is a building block in the construction of the person. And so I can choose to honor others above myself. But there are inner attitudes that I think factor in whether we choose or not or, or a good outcome of some choices. And, I, and I've been impressed as I've thought about this how that all of these Christian inner qualities relate. It's easy to see how an attitude of being gracious or being loving, being kind, being compassionate, all of that factors in. I just want to mention two of them this morning. 
And the first one is gratefulness. Just being thankful, being a grateful person. You see, how, you know, how does that relate? Because when I'm grateful and express it to God, I'm acknowledging that what I have has been granted to me by his blessing. In fact, every new day is a gift. And so I begin to realize that whatever I have, including the things that bring me honor, are ultimately blessings from him. My health, my talents, the opportunities I've had to achieve. And when I am aware of how blessed, how blessed that I am, when I'm genuinely grateful for how much I have been blessed, I want to bless others. Truly grateful people want to spill over and be a blessing to others. And so when I realize how much I've been given, I want to give in return. And that includes encouraging others, honoring others. I have thought about it recently, how, uh, you know, in terms of my lifespan up till now, I've, I've been given more honor than, than I can even live up to, really. But if I realize that, then you see, I'm going to want to make sure others are honored as well. Well, the other one that I want to mention briefly is humility. Humility is actually realistic self-appraisal, where we see ourselves as lowly because in the scheme of things, we are lowly. See, in humility, I recognize that I am very special. I'm the only one of a kind. I am unique. But the other thing I realize is that I am not any more special than anyone else. <laughs> Everybody else, likewise. That's humility. Realistic self-appraisal. Someone has pointed out that one of the characteristics of humility is, and I like this, allowing others to shine. Affirming others empowering and enabling others yeah humility if i'm humble it's going to be natural to want to honor others because it isn't just about me then it's about others too well we talked about what it means essentially we talked about some of the wiring that could go into us to make it more likely that we will live that way but how about the significance does it really matter? Does this characteristic among us make, you know, contribute to us being a people of significance and helping others to be significant? I think of the many marriages likely to survive because both husband and wife have chosen to honor the other above themselves. <laughs> Boy, if we could do a study of marriages that have survived against great odds. I suspect that would be a factor. In fact, that was in the old, old um, uh, the ceremony, right? There was a time when, uh, when, when it was just natural that the female had a different uh, set of vows than the male, but I think both of them were to honor, right? Honor, part of it, one another. 
Um, think of the uh, conflict in families that would be lessened or that could be resolved if there was that posture of wanting to honor one another, including parents honoring children and vice versa. Think of friendships that have endured because both parties choose to honor the other above self. Think of fellowship in the congregation, which is what it should be because people choose to honor, which means to appreciate one another. I wonder how many conflicts in local churches are going on because of this dynamic being missing, the mutual honoring of one another. There was a survey uh, not that many years ago, um, about uh, 15, 16 years ago, a survey among uh, pastors um, where they were asked to name the mostly, most likely cause of conflict in the church. They didn't name doctrine. They didn't cite vision and direction. But you probably guessed it, control. Control outdistance the other factors. Control. Two parties in conflict, neither willing to give up ground. Conflict then is inevitable and it continues. And when neither wants to give up ground, that has to do with a sense of control. Control is when I use whatever power or influence or position that I have and I have to hang on to it. I can't allow anyone to take any of it away. But you see, if I have this grateful posture of humility that seeks to honor others above self, then I'm going to want to hear the opinions of others. And you know what? I will even assume that the other person or the other party just might know something that I don't know. It's even possible they know something about the will of God that I've never realized before. That goes along with that sense of humility that wants to honor others above ourselves. And I want to say that this factor is pretty relevant for us right now as we are negotiating some kind of partnership with a gathering. It's a partnership that can only occur and be sustained over the long haul if both groups, both groups, are willing to give up some control, to give up some ground, to back up and say, uh, you know, it, ours isn't the only way of doing things, and we're willing to look at other possibilities. Uh, surrendering control to the Lord, realizing that He is the owner and the builder of His church and the only one who has the right to control. Well, the text here is about relationships among ourselves, within congregations, or with other believers. But it's an attitude that we take with us into all of life. I think of our witness. Uh, today, it seems that the most evangelism occurs in the context of relationships. Christians building strong relationships with non-Christians, perhaps inviting them to non-threatening Bible studies, whatever, but relationships are built. And they can only take place, really, 
where there is that respect, listening, understanding of where the other person is coming from. Oh, we have to remain firm on that which is at the very core of our belief, and that is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the commitment, the reception of salvation is really by allegiance to him as the Lord. We don't give up. We don't compromise that. But we still have that respectful attitude to others where we really genuinely want to hear how they see things. I think we've also experienced the significance of this, you know, if we sort of turn it around and we ask, what kind of a person is it that I am comfortable with? And, you know, I think many a boy or girl has been smitten on that basis. You know, he, he makes me feel like a million dollars. <laughs> or she makes me comfortable in my own skin. Honoring, honoring the other person, honoring me. And how often don't we hear this complimentary comment made about someone who is, quote, important, or someone who is sort of at the top, and people say, you know, I like him, he doesn't talk down to me. Or she treats me like an equal. See, in each of these instances, the person we admire is giving us honor, honoring us, recognition. Well, let me summarize it and finish. Is it significant? And I say absolutely in our family relationships, in our congregational fellowship, in our teamwork, in ministry, in our witness. But the last word really is, <coughs> it is the way of Christ. It's the way of his teaching. Earlier, I referred briefly uh, to uh, Matthew 20, where some of his apostles are clamoring for extra honor the mother of James and John was asking for her boys. She wanted them to have a special place in the kingdom. And then it says, when the ten heard it, they were indignant <laughs> at the two brothers. Maybe they were just as guilty themselves. <laughs> you have no right to pursue. I have just as much right to be at the right hand. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones ex exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The way of true greatness in his kingdom is the way of the lowliest position. It's the way of servanthood. Honor one another above yourself or outdo one another in showing honor. The very last word is the gospel. To honor, to affirm people is consistent with the gospel. For God so loved, God so valued the people in this world that he gave his only begotten son. Think 
the people you connect with today, the individuals you connect with today, amongst yourself and others that you will be meeting during the day. Think of it, every one of them. Created in the image of God, valued so much by God, that he sent his son not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for them and us. So do we matter? Do you matter? Does the person you talk to today really matter? Look to the incarnation. Look to the cross.